This is the Artist Coaching Podcast. Welcome, Jeffrey. Good to have you uh, in the podcast episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, Built no problem, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me let me let me start off a little bit about uh, telling a little bit about how we met actually, because I think we know each other for about three years now. Yeah, I think something like that. Three or yeah, uh, we actually met something like three years ago at ADE, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we met by email and uh, probably also by phone. Uh, oh yeah, through my own management, right? Before that, because I did mastering for you and things like that. Yeah. But we met in person, yeah, three years ago was, I think, yeah, at the I think of, AD, uh, yeah. office. Yeah. And it started yeah. because I always did my own mastering in the beginning, yeah. and I was just missing that last 10% of the mi- of the mixing and mastering of what I thought, like, yeah, I'm not able to, to get that because, yeah, mastering is like a completely different kind of thing, you know? It's not like making yeah. music yeah. or producing music. It's a different kind of, uh, of job. Yeah. Um, and I always managed to do a lot by myself, but you you always took the the, the record to the next level for me, uh, which I really liked. And yeah, we, we always stayed in touch. And now I yep. put my, my artist coaching clients to you if they need mastering or whatsoever. Um, so yeah, I thought maybe it's nice. I always get a lot, a lot of questions about mastering. So I thought maybe it's nice to have a real master engineer <laughs> in this episode just for once to get some clearance on how all these things yeah. are 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 yeah are happening and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of misunderstandings about what mastering actually is. A lot of people still confuse mixing and mastering as well. So yeah. So yeah, so yeah. What's what's your here. experience on that? As in, you you're doing this full time or? Yeah, I'm a full time mastering engineer. Well, not full time mastering because I'm also doing lectures for. Uh, for example, SAE mm-hmm. and Sound Education, uh, Albeda College. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I will be teaching in about two weeks at the Hermann Brood Academy. Oh, really? I've been so, doing a, a few guest college there as well. Yeah. Guest lessons. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not just full time mastering, but also uh, these kind of things. And uh, yeah, I'm also building my own equipment and sometimes really? I build equipment for other people as well. Okay. So, and, so um, hardware equipment, as in? Hardware. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of equipment that I use in my studio, like most of it actually is built by myself or uh, at least modified. Okay. So I don't like uh, off-the-shelf equipment. I, 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 if I hear something and I see something, I'm like, okay, it's cool. But I think if I change that and change that, it could be even better. So okay. I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to that. <laughs> wow. Okay. And, and how did you get into this? As in, yeah, you, how old are you right now? Uh, 46. 46. And is it something yeah. you all already did when you were 20 years old or was it something you wanted to do when you were 20 years old? Or You mean like uh, building equipment and stuff? Or, I'm mastering. or mastering. Yeah, mastering uh, in general. Mastering itself, uh, um, I never had plans to be a mastering engineer. It's, it's, it just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you probably know, I made a lot of music myself, mostly techno in the beginning of the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was something like 1997 or 98 when I was going to release an album. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I attended the mastering session because, yeah, I just wanted to be there uh, because I had some 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 things I wanted to k- take care of, fades and crossovers and some particular things in sound. So I went down to the mastering studio and I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> and so I started messing with some plugins because Waves was already there and you could uh, do something with Waves like, plugins. Like the real table or the plugins? The, pl- the plugins, yeah. Okay, Waves yeah. is it's pretty old already. It sucks, by the way, but that's a different really? story. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. But uh, most of most of plugins. Okay. Um, 
But um, yeah, I started messing with the plugins and I soon found out that what I was doing, I could change the sound, but not making any better. So in the beginning, it was more like I had no idea what I was doing. But then it, it started to grow and I had friends in the music business. And so they asked me to do their mastering and it simply started to grow and got bigger and bigger and I got more uh, by, by accident stuff. actually or was it was it a plan yeah, that you were accident. no okay. no 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 I I didn't plan it I just thought it and um yeah there was something like in the beginning of uh, the, the end of the 90s so okay. 1998 nine, yeah, 99 I think and and you you know I always wondered because I'm I'm a bit younger than you. Um, I got into this industry when software was normal. But how did you yeah. experience the transition from needing a really big, expensive studio to going to this time where everything is available on the internet, where all the plugins yeah. are available? Plugins are getting better. Software is getting better. Like, yeah. how? What's your opinion on that? Um, the thing is, with mastering, you're working on, uh, you, you have a 95% perfect mix or a 95% uh, perfect mix and you want to bring it to 100%. Yeah. And I think with plugins, uh, because you're working on the last 5 or 10%, mm -hmm. uh, I think with plugins, you can go there to 99.5%, but mm -hmm. I think that last half percent is still in the hardware most of the times. There is something about hardware which simply cannot be replaced yeah. right now recreated uh, actually plugins. like digitally re recreated it's impossible yeah 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 i said it's the same with uh, for instance uh, i'm not sure if you can see it but this compressor here yeah it's a tube compressor it's a really big uh, bulky compressor uh -huh. but what just when you pass the audio through it 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 sounds bigger it sounds better there's something yeah. happening it, it's not like you can explain what is happening, but something is happening there. Yeah, and that's and that's the weird thing. But that's what I try to say as well when I delivered yeah. my tracks to you. Like I always got my tracks to like ninety percent and felt like okay, it's doing the job. You know, it sounds well. It has the energy. It has the yeah. bass. It has the highs. Um, but when I got my my master back from you, I always had something like I really can't explain what happened. But something happens, you know, like something, yeah, th yeah. there's there's life in the track, like it's it starts living, uh, it yeah. gets some extra layers or something. Yeah. Uh, and another thing that I always, was one big question mark to me is, it always seemed like my, my stereo image got wider. Could be, uh, could be that I made it a bit <laughs> wider depending on the track, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes, uh, for instance, when you use analog EQ or an analog compressor, mm -hmm. it gets more 3D. Not not, not particularly wider, but it's get more. It gets more 3D. Yeah, like there's more and depth. And you don't depth even have to mix. make it more white. Yeah, because if it's yeah. too white, uh, for instance, if you have a track with vocals and mm -hmm. the vocals are mostly in the center, in the middle, if you make it really white, what happens to the vocals? The vocals get buried in the mix. So. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not something you want. Um, but in this case, with analog, you can make it more 3D, more open, more things fall into place, and it sounds more white, it sounds more open, but it's still the same uh, witness if you if you whiteness yeah, if but you I guess that's that's the thing yeah. I experienced as well like it got me uh, I felt like it I had a deeper mix, you know, like all the elements yeah. I placed. Um, yeah. sounded better in their place because yeah. I always had problems with my stereo imaging because I, I, I don't really, yeah, I didn't really knew how to do that perfectly. Uh, yeah. And when I got my track back from you, I always had something like, wow, yeah, this is something I should have done. <laughs> but yeah. you did it for me. So yeah, yeah. thanks. Yeah.
Yeah, it's, it, it's partly it's it's the, the the analog chain, and partly it's uh, yeah, mostly it's the experience. It's it, okay. it's it. If I sometimes compare it to let's say Max Verstappen, mm -hmm. if you put Max Verstappen in a Volkswagen Golf and you yeah. put me in his car, trust me, Max Verstappen will drive yeah. also around me because it's not the equipment, it's not the studio, it's the the person behind it. Yeah, but it's also the studio because uh, in my case it's. It's partly the analog equipment, but the most important part is how your room itself sounds. Yeah. And not just the monitoring, but the room itself. It, yeah, you can see some... Yeah, I see uh, one of those uh, acoustic yeah, you see plates some on the back. Things like that, yeah. There's like a lot of acoustical treatment all measured. And I have, uh, you can see it back there, like those bass traps. Mm -hmm. They are calculated just for my room itself. They're handmade by Gig Acoustics from mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the UK, America, where they're all over the world. And can, can you explain a little bit more because, yeah, I know what the, why it's so important, but um, a lot of people think that if they buy the, the expensive, expensiest, expensiest, I don't even know, yeah. uh, expensiest yeah. uh, speakers on earth, uh, everything yeah. should be right in the end, but the room no. actually decides how good your speakers will better. perform. Sorry, it's even more important because yeah. uh, with, really good speakers like the BMWs that I'm using, mm -hmm. um, they really go down to 20 hertz. I can play a 10 hertz tone even and you don't hear it, but you, you just feel the pressure and things like that. Yeah. But the lower your speakers go, the more uh, acoustical treatment you need because the lower the frequency is, the more problems you will have and the bigger, the bulkier the, the acoustical treatment should be. Wow, okay. And with near field monitors, you're literally sitting in the sound field because mm -hmm. Yeah, the name says it all. It's near field. Near field, yeah. Case, it's it's more like main field monitors. And um, yeah, you can see it from here. The 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 speakers that you can see behind me, the black ones. Yeah, are, are, uh, are those, are those like are these on on a pole or is the the yellow part the only thing? No, it's there from floor to what you see oh, there. Oh wow! Okay. They weigh eighty kilos each, and there's a block of concrete beneath it, which is sixty kilos. So it's one hundred forty kilos per side. Wow. And I'm sitting something like, yeah, two meters, two and a half meters away from the speakers themselves, mm -hmm. which is completely different than near field monitors. In, yeah. With near field monitors, um, you, you're just, um, you're part of the mix. And in this case with mastering, you're uh, sitting, yeah, a bit further away from it so that yeah. you can hear the sound field and actually hear what is going on. I can actually so still remember when I, when I set foot in a professional studio for the first time because I was always making music in my, in my bedroom, you know, like shitty yeah. room. Uh, I had some good speakers, but the room was shit. Um, and I set foot in a, in a professional studio, like a professionally built studio, and yeah. I was amazed by the sound. I listened to my own tracks on the speakers and I just, I was thinking like, wow, this isn't my track. It sounded yeah. so completely different. Yeah, true. Yeah. And it, it, it's so, so ama amazing what, what the acoustic treatment can do to your to your track, actually. Yeah, definitely. The thing is, if you, for instance, you have a problem at, let's say, 50 hertz, mm -hmm. which is basically the fundamentals of a 909 bass drum, and if you have a problem there, no matter if it's a peak or a dip, depending on how your room is, mm -hmm. uh, what you will always do, you will try to compensate in your, in your mix. If yeah, you, you have will, you will 50 hertz, pushing. you will you will try pushing it more. Yeah. If you have a boost there, you will try dipping it and the bass drum will be buried a bit in the mix. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with a proper mastering studio is that it's it's not 100% flat. That's uh, that's not even possible to, and it doesn't even sound great when it's completely flat. But at least it's cohesive. It's it's All frequencies are there. It's not like there's a big dip, there's a big peak and things like that. And mm -hmm. 
that's something you want for mastering. You don't want a room with peaks and dips yeah. because you will, no matter how, you will always compensate for your room then. And yeah. that's not something you want. Yeah, I always compare mastering. Like a lot of my clients always ask me, like, yeah, I want to, I want to learn how to mix and to master. But I always yeah. warn them, as in, know what you're getting into, you know, because it's just science, in my opinion. Uh, it actually yeah. it, it has nothing to do with creating music because creating music is like a creative process to me, uh, and doing the mastering is like peaks and frequencies and minus and plus and it's just yeah, but really small steps. That's one yeah, of the really small big, steps. Yeah, uh, confusions that a lot of people have is that. Mastering is about making sm uh, big steps and changing the sound all the time. No, it's like it's like so, smoothing. Yeah. yeah, like sometimes I'm boosting or cutting a frequency like maybe half a dB. Sometimes I'm not doing anything. I'm just using a small EQ to balance things a bit out mm -hmm. and just use a limiter. Because yeah. I also do pop music, rock music, and then you're working with yeah, really well-known and really great uh, mixing engineers. And sometimes I don't do anything. Yeah. And a bad mastering engineer will change the sound because he thinks that the sound the sound should be changed because yeah. the customer is paying for that no the customer is paying you to make sure that it sounds great everywhere and that even it's, better it's kind of like, uh uh if you're writing a book there's always a copywriter after that yeah could be that you have some spelling mistakes or some grammatical things like that mm -hmm. and uh, the copywriter takes care of those kind of things but with if you wrote a book and the book is perfect then the copywriter has an easy job but he yeah. still has to read it through because it could be that there's still a tiny mistake or yeah. something like that could be that he's changing some 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 um some parts of the text so that it fits better on the page yeah. and things like that just my, that minor changes actually yeah yeah, yeah. So. okay and um so going back to the question actually as in hardware versus software you still yeah. believe in the hardware part because yeah. It does yeah. something with the sound you just really can't explain. Yeah, uh, but on the other hand, um, I also use a lot of plugins. Mm -hmm. uh, Which ones? Uh, yeah, I'm one of the beta testers for Fat Filter, so I'm a bit wow. biased maybe, but I'm cool. using all of the, the, the Fat Filter plugins. I like them as uh, well. But I also use Ozone. Ozone is pretty good if you know how to work with it. The latest uh, one? I, uh, I, I just bought Ozone 8 Advanced okay. this week. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I was like a bit skeptical because it had all those... Uh, automated things. I was mm -hmm. like, no, I don't want to do that. That's that's not something I want because simply it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But the plugins themselves um, could be good. Yeah. You have to be really careful. There's a lot of things in Ozone which you should be careful about. With the EQ, it's decent. It's it's okay. It's an okay EQ. Mm -hmm. But for instance, the Exciter, which is built in, it, it sucks. It simply sucks. Okay. It, it really messes up the sound. The, the maximizer, the, the limiter, it, it's pretty good if you know how to work with it. it Don't has push it too much, probably. If you push it too much, you really yeah. get that ozone zing, ozone sound, uh, which is better in version 8, by the way. That's, that's the reason I also bought it. Mm -hmm. But still, if you push it too far and not knowing what to do, it gets that ozone sound. Yeah. And, it's, and, and, and taking... I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And of course, a lot of a lot of beginners use the ozone because it's just easy yeah. to work with. You know, lots, lots of presets. Would you yeah. would you recommend working with presets? No, no. Uh, first of all, yeah, I, I also have presets, by the way, but it's mostly a preset with a certain chain. Like uh, I uh, I always start off with, uh, in my case, uh, most of the times I start off with the Pro Q two the EQ, mm -hmm. and sometimes I don't even use it as an EQ, but I use it as uh, as a gain knob 
for really? going to my analog chain because after that I go to my analog chain and I want sometimes I want to push it a bit more uh, into the analog chain. Then it goes through my analog chain and it really depends on what type of music I'm doing, what I want to achieve. So it, it really depends. I can simply push a couple of buttons and it's a completely different setup, different compressors, different okay. EQs and things like that. And then I go back into the computer and then I use plugins and then it really depends on what I'm using. But the presets that I have is is basically a set of plugins in a row mm -hmm. with the hardware inserted as well. Mm -hmm. And that's my starting point then. Okay. But it's not like I already have an EQ setting there or a compressor setting or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's just, no, just the chain, yeah. Flat. It's just the chain and nothing else. So okay. that really works. And um, I wanted to get your opinion on something else as well, which I've seen, I think, a month ago. I was on Facebook scrolling down my, my timeline, you know, and I probably got targeted by the company. I can't re remember the name, but maybe you know yeah. it. Um, but they offer, like, an online mastering tool. So you just send yeah. your track to them, pay, like, 20 euros. They they just ran it through some kind of mastering tool, and you yeah. get you instantly get back. You probably back. mean Lander. Uh, yeah, I think it was Lander, yeah. 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 Like, uh, what... I, I didn't check it, so I don't really have an opinion on it, but I, it seemed really hard for me to believe that that was an option to get a, yeah. a cool master, you know? No, the, the thing is with Lander, it could be a pretty decent sounding master, let's face it, it's simple as that. It mm -hmm. could be a decent sounding master. If your mix is basically what the, um, the, the algorithm wants it to sound like. Okay. So it, it could be that your mix is, is good, Mm -hmm. for the algorithm and it sounds great afterwards could sometimes even be better than what a mastering engineer does simple as that but the thing is uh, with mastering um, it's a second opinion as well so sometimes they get mixes in or in advance because they're not certain about the mix like okay could you please check the mix because uh, you have been working on it really long and you have no idea what you're doing in the end like is the hi-hat high and uh, loud enough or is it mm -hmm. maybe too loud or whatever and then the mastering engineer is the second opinion, which means I'm giving feedback on the mix. Like, okay, it's I think it's a good idea to boost the hi-hat a bit more, turn the vocals a bit down, and I think the bass drum and the bass drum are a bit fighting, and things like yeah. that. So you can change the mix. With Blender, it simply doesn't work that way. Yeah. Because it's just the, the, simply the pattern they deliver and analyzes that's it. With analyzers, and it simply... Yeah put some plugins on top and that's it. Okay. And for instance, uh, if you have uh, a synthesizer line, which is pointing out a bit, which is the element of the track, which you want to point out. It, and if you look at the analyzer, you also see a peak at whatever, two kilohertz. Mm -hmm. A mastering engineer will not make that a flat line so that it's flat, but Lander, for example, sees those peaks as a problem and simply turns it down. Yeah, and kill it. Okay. And kill it. Yeah. So. Um, the thing with mastering is um, you want something to actually listen to the music mm -hmm. and know uh, and, and do something with it and, and give you feedback and that's not something yeah. you can have with Lander or some other automated. Yeah. And that's the thing with, with yeah. mixing as well. Like I always, when I have clients and they ask me about mixing, a lot of them say like, yeah, but I have these meters, you know, I just have a look at the yeah. meters, see what's happening and I adjust to that. But I always say like, no keep on listening, you know? Yeah. Like meters will tell you something different than what you will hear in the end. So of yeah. course it's good to, to check them every now and then to see if you're missing out on things. Uh, yeah. But the overall, to me, is just like, it's music, you know? It's sound yeah. and it should be sound. sounding well. You should use your ears all the time. Yeah. And that's also the cool thing about analog equipment. Um, 
Um, if I'm tweaking a parameter like EQ or compressor or something like that, I don't look at what I'm doing. I'm just doing Listen, and yeah. tweaking knobs. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, I thought I would be cutting that frequency, but instead it's that frequency, for instance. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. And I'm not sure if you know the knob control. Yeah, yeah I know that one, yeah. It's it's uh, kind of like, uh, it's basically a mouse, it's a big knob. Mm -hmm. And since I have that, I have it for uh, almost a year now, I think. And since that, I started listening more to the music as well when I'm using plugins. But because no matter what, if you're using a mouse to change a parameter of a plugin, you're always looking at the screen and yeah. you're not listening. You're and, at now, least and now you can turn back and just turn the knob. Yeah, I just turn the knob and I just listen. Yeah, and great. And sometimes I'm surprised that I cut or boosted a certain frequency because I thought that the problem would be there or mm. things like that. And it, it really works wonders. So cool. yeah. Okay. Yeah, use your ears, not your eyes. Yeah, Always. that's, that's a great one, yeah. 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 And um, I was wondering what to you, like you, you see different tracks every day, you get a lot of requests from people to master the tracks, you hear different yeah. kind of charmers. What's the most frequently made mistake in your opinion? Uh, when it comes to delivering files? Um, yeah, you know, both like delivering files or just in overall mixes, you know? Uh, first of all, when people deliver the files, uh, sometimes they send in mixes with a limiter on top already. Mm. And really my hands are tied then, because if there's a limiter on top, there's hardly anything you can do about it, because it's already flat and it simply doesn't work that way. And some people are like mixing with a limiter on top of their master bus. Mm -hmm. And sure, it's easier to make a decent mix, but in the end, if you switch off the limiter, your mix will probably fall apart and you have to do the mix again. And there's a reason for that, because the mix itself is not finished yet. If you do a mix without a limiter, I think your mix will always be better. Mm -hmm. No matter what, it will always sound better. Is it better because of the dynamics? Mix, yeah, because of the dynamics. And it's, it's, yeah, it will sound better simple, simply like that. Yeah, so, okay. and then in the end, you can try to see what it sounds like with a limiter on top. Mm -hmm. And you will soon find out that the mix is better. Yeah. Because the mix is already good and the limiter, yeah, makes it louder. But uh, the mix itself will always be better without yeah. the limiter on the, top. And takes out the dynamics. And the, yeah, that's yeah. the same. That's the thing I don't like in most EDM tracks. There's no dynamics at all. You know, break, no. the break yeah. is as loud as the drop. As loud as, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's also one of the things that a lot of uh, homemade mastering engineers do is that they use just one limiter. And most of the times they use ozone, which. Mm -hmm has zing, a, a certain sound, which I just explained, mm -hmm. and they simply push the limiter too much because their mix is not good. And then they have to push it too much and then yeah. it sounds like one flat line and it's all life is sucked out of it. But if you mix without that limiter on top, your track will be more dynamic and then you also have to push the limiter less loud uh, than with mixing with the limiter on top okay. from the beginning. Okay, so, okay so, that's, so that's about the delivering part, but is there also like a common mistake you see often with just the mix overall? Um, Maybe one of the mistakes, especially in dance music, is that they don't make their bass drums loud enough or the bass okay. drum, the bass line are in the same frequency ballpark and um, the bass drum is buried in the bass line. Mm -hmm. So the bass drum in dance music should always be on top. Okay. Don't be afraid to make your bass drum loud. It's better to have your bass drum too loud than not loud enough because if a bass drum is too loud, the mastering engineer can simply 
turn it down a tiny bit. But if it's really buried in the mix, it's really hard to yeah, you to can't put it, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's one of the things that happens quite a lot that the bass drum is not loud enough. Yeah, and I think that's important because it's like dance music. You know, there has to be a yeah. standard. Like the rhythm should be yeah in the middle of it's the mix. Meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so yeah, and what also happens a lot is that people don't check their mix in mono. So oh, yeah. they make a really wide uh, synthesizer line with a lot of choruses and things like that on top of each other. <laughs> and um, But when you play it, back, play it back in mono, it could be that the, the synthesizer line is, is totally cancelled because yeah, yeah. of phase cancellations and things like that. And why should you check it in mono? Um, people think that mono is not really important, but you used to be a DJ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did you know that uh, on the DJM 800 and 600 that there is a mono stereo switch on top of the mixer? Yeah, I saw it. I never yeah, used but, it, but I saw it. Yeah, but did you check before you started your set? No, never. I just never. I, I just started. But no, I, I, I do know that a lot of clubs have mono sound. <laughs> yeah, true. It, it could be that that switch is set to mono, so you already have a mono signal, but mm -hmm. a lot of clips also have their PA set on purpose in mono because uh, if you're standing in the left side of the room and something's happening on the right side of the speakers, you don't hear that sound. Yeah. So what they do, they make it completely mono or a bit more mono. So it's still stereo, but yeah. way less stereo. So there you go. If you're really wide synthesizer line and when it's played back in the club, there is no synthesizer Everything line. Everything disappears, yeah. So mono is really important. Always okay. check back in mono to see if it's still... Uh, as powerful, it's actually. Still powerful. Sure, you will you will hear a difference in sound. Mm -hmm. That will always be the case because you have stereo and you have mono. It's mm -hmm. two different things. But still, there's a difference between sounds collapsing, sounds uh, fading away, or just being there and maybe a tiny bit less loud. So yeah. be careful with those kind of things. Always check in mono. Great one, great one. Yeah, um, yeah I want to end off with a tip that is useful to every producer. A simple tip could be a plugin, could be anything, uh, but something that's really easy to use and that will increase your mix instantly. So let's say it's a plugin that you have to add. Yeah. Or... Um, now, well, it's, it's not really a plugin because like what I said in the beginning, it's, it's not the tools that makes the, the, mm -hmm. the right music, but it's basically less is more. A lot of, a lot of people are like uh, pushing things like 10 plugins on one sound and another sound which has 12 plugins and things like that. But the sound itself, the basic sound should already be good. So okay. no, no matter how, uh, all plugins, all hardware that you're using, always keep in mind that you're degrading the sound. So the more plugins you have on top of each other, mm -hmm. the more you're degrading the sound. The sound itself should already be good. So start with the source. The source yeah. should be good. But the, but the, actually, yeah. the source yeah. sound has to be good already and you just need yeah. to adjust it a little bit, but not too much. No. Okay. Maybe well. a tiny bit of EQ, maybe a tiny bit of compression, but mm -hmm. it's not like you always need compression, you always need EQ. No, if, if it sounds good, leave it that way. Cool. It, that, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer. Like, that's the way that I always, uh, I, I learned it that way as well. Uh, yeah. And I always work that way as well. But it's the same with, with using tracks in, in your, pro, in your uh, process. I, I only had like 15 to 20 tracks. And yeah. some people work with 80 tracks. And I always ask them, like, why would you need 80 tracks, you know? Like, you could do this within five, five tracks in, instead of 20. Yeah. yeah. Um, the funny thing is that uh, when I made music myself, I released a track, I think it was in 97 or 98, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, but that track was called Six Sounds. 
And it was really so six it basically tracks. had six sounds. Wow. And it was on a lot of compilation CDs as well. And okay. it had six okay. channels in total. Nothing more. Yeah, it's just less is more. I really believe in that as well. Like the the, le yeah. the less is in your mix, the cleaner it sounds, the more open it sounds. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm a big believer as well. That's um, good. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, thanks again. Like I heard a lot of uh, inspirational and yeah, a lot of stuff that I didn't knew about, and probably everyone who's listening really didn't know about or whatsoever. Um, so thanks for the tips. If if someone's interested in your mastering. Um, uh, yeah, ma mastering. How do you call that? Services. Yeah, mastering services. Yeah, yeah, mastering services. Where could they find you? Like, do you have a website or whatsoever? Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Jeffrey de Gans, and the website that I have is dagoosmusic.nl. Okay. Or awesome. otherwise, just Google, Google for Dagoos mastering yeah. or something like that. You will awesome. always. And you, you definitely have my recommendation as I said he always did my mastering as well uh, and I'm referring him to a lot of people that I know who are experiencing having troubles with mastering so if you're looking for mastering this is the guy uh, look it out have a, have a look out thanks. for him thanks yeah. again thank you okay take care